1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribe Super, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm Andrew Muscove and I'm joined by Craig Johns. And Craig, I just had a look at the championship table and I will admit I hadn't been following the results. I knew Middlesbrough had won, but I didn't realise there were sixth. How did that yeah. happen?
0: Incredible what a week does, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we come out of the international break. Obviously, everybody was in dour mood. There was, uh, you know, all the injuries. And, and the last time we recorded a podcast, uh, of course, they'd beaten Peterborough and they had Barnsley and Cardiff to come. But, you know, on so many occasions at that point in this season, we were talking about the fact that Borough had kind of got a good win and then not kicked on from it and, and, and not made that count. And, you know, it just shows you what this division is like. And you know, two more wins, two very good wins against Barnsley and Cardiff, you know, albeit three wins in three in total against Teams who better, uh, should beat, but you know, quite often, as we've just said, don't beat them. And uh, you know, it's completely changed the complexion. They've they've climbed up to sixth in the table. It is very conject congested. I think is it fifth to eleventh who are all on the same amount of points at the moment, and it's goal difference alone, separating. Uh, which you know again just tells you how crazy this league is, but uh, but yeah, but a, a, a great seven days for Burra, three wins, nine points, three clean sheets, some goal a goal for Piero, two goals for Spora, as you see, a climb back up to six, the back in the mix, and that's the important thing.
1: And is it a case that Warnock was always a believer? I know you, last time we, we had an episode, you spoke about the hope that he had, you know, the hope that it would kind of turn around despite there was some grumblings in the, in the crowd. So now he's got two wins, now they're in the playoff uh, position. Was it a case that he always felt, this This is what my Borough team can do and we're showing you now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think ultimately we all know, you know, Warnock's kind of, you know, said that it might not necessarily be his final season, uh, but certainly... He signed a one-year extension because he kind of doesn't look beyond the current season. And at 72, we know the only reason he he did want to stay at Borough was because there was a genuine belief when he assessed his squad, when he looked at his squad at the end of last season with the right additions. He could make this promotion-winning team. Uh, you know, he was excited about talents like Pierre, uh, like Tavernier. He was excited about bringing in talents like Piero, which would have obviously been bumbling away in the background. Uh, you know, young defenders like Fry, like Dicey, like Bola he often spoke at the end of last season about that core group of players at the club and if he could just build on them. And, you know, we knew he needed a centre-forward and he got that like in Ipiazza and then brought the club up, found Sporar who looks a fantastic addition now as well. Uh, and as I say, even, you know, this season, when it he was frustrated because it wasn't going how he felt it should be going. But he still always had this belief. He, he, he often talks about, you know, you, you don't get too down after defeat, you don't get too high after wins. So, you know, in the same sense, he's not going to now be sitting there, thinking, think, you know, all comfortable and thinking, you know, this is going to go. He will know that this season will have many more ups and downs. You know, Borough aren't going to go undefeated for the rest of the season, It's not likely. But, you know, this is, this past week has been more like the Borough that he knows they are capable of being.
1: You mentioned two players there who've certainly impressed in the last two games. Spor. Uh, two goals, one assist over the games between Barnsley and Cardiff. And Pereira as well. One spoke about um, how impressed he was with him in the last game. What have you made of their performances?
0: Yeah, brilliant. I think uh, his sparrow since he came in has, has looked absolutely terrific. He's he's really intelligent. That's what I like about him. He's a very intelligent centre forward. He, uh, you know, he runs and runs and runs. He puts, uh, you know, he presses high, which is why Warren likes him. Uh, they have worked on that with him, but he's, it's his movement off the ball as well. He makes intelligent runs in behind, and that. You know, even if it doesn't always benefit him, it opens up defences, it splits defences and creates gaps for other players. Uh I've been so impressed with him. obviously there was the whole game where he missed a couple of, of good opportunities and um you know now two goals in two would have will have done his he's uh his confidence the world a good. And as, as for Piero, I mean, you know, it was it was no secret that he, it was a bit of a frustrating period up until this past seven days, um the past week. Uh he, he, Fans were obviously so excited about signing this young Argentine starlet. To uh, you know, if you were speaking to people in South America, they were telling you that this is a player who you know they they couldn't believe he was coming to sign for Middlesbrough uh, in the Championship, and and they were describing it as a coup for the club. And, and obviously, he took a bit of time to settle, uh, and that frustrated many people who felt he should have been in the team sooner. But I think you even look at that Redding game um, where he did start and he didn't have the same kind of impact that he's had in the last three. It, it makes sense that he was still getting up to speed. He was needing to get used to the tempo of the championship and also the different kind of style of play of Middlesbrough and what's required of him in, in Middlesbrough midfield. Uh, and, and, you know, somewhat, you could say, somewhat forced upon Warnock to have to put him in when he's put him in uh, for the last three games because of all the injuries. Uh, and I think certainly helped by having Matt Crooks alongside of him. They've got that, you know, newfound bromance uh, going on there, Crooks and Pierre uh, You know, I think Crux's mobility and agility in that midfield just allows Piero to be that little bit more positive. And, you know, when he's on the ball, he's absolute quality.
1: We've got lots of questions from lots of listeners and we'll get on to them in a moment. Some people have been talking about that new kind of partnership in midfield. Um, but when things weren't going well, Craig, a few people suggested and it was just kind of social media noise that some of the players that came in in the summer weren't really Warnock's type of player, maybe not even his choice, with some of the, the accusations thrown down. And, um, you know, some people were speaking the likes of Pereira and or Espo or might be one of the, one or two of those players. Yeah, he seems to be getting the best out of them. Did you ever think that was the case, that they weren't his first choice, that someone else was planning for the future and Warner didn't really like them?
0: Well, it was an interesting summer because I think we spoke at the time about the summer transfer window and the fact that it did feel very kind of split into two. And you started where they, they always made it a big recruitment drive in the summer. The squad was small. And it almost started like the first half of the season, the focused on what you would think were more traditional Neil Warnock signings, players like Ick players like Matt Crooks. Uh, they, were, they were getting those type of players in and bulking up the squad. Uh, and then it seemed to change direction in the second half of the season. And of course, you know, around that point, it was announced that Kieran Scott would be coming in as the head of football. Um, and and then we started, I mean, Piero was uh, somebody who we knew about for a lot of the summer. It was just a deal that dragged on because it was, it was difficult to do. Uh, and then, you know, very end of the window, we then got Sporar and Saliki in. And, uh, and that did feel very different to what you would, you know clash class as in a warlock signing but i think it's important to note that you know while the club did kind of take this new direction and are looking at this new direction of kind of signing what you would class as maybe hidden gems or players who have future high sell-on value um you know, the, all three of those players were signed with the the OK from from Neil Warnock. Um, certainly with James Leah Saliki, he was um, uh, a find from Kieran Scott. Uh, Kieran Scott kind of recommended him at the club, and, and and Neil Warnock had had conversations with Kieran Scott before he officially arrived. He he liked what he heard from Kieran Scott. He particularly liked that Kieran Scott is still. Uh, a scout who likes to watch players in person and that was a big gripe of, of neil warnock's in the fact that some of borough signings or some of the, the players that were recommended to him by the borough recruitment team prior to scott's arrival were players who that kind of you know watched or saw in video and, and just on stats and spreadsheets um and he he, he always maintained that to get a, a good sense of a player, you've got to go out and watch them in person so i know he particularly liked the fact that scott has that mentality too he feels you've got to go and watch them in person too so you know when scott recommended saliki he, he does have a contact in france too he said and he went to him straight away and and, and got the okay from him uh and and, and equally you know piero was somebody who was recommended by so um by people like Leo Pertsovich knows. Uh, and again, Neil Warnock watched him, spoke to people he knows about him uh, and, and got good vibes about him and brought him in. And, and I'm sure the same happened with Sporra too. So it's important to note that while the maybe not traditional Neil Warnock signings, he understood why the club were moving in that direction. And he approved of all three signings. It wasn't like the club went behind his back and brought them in without his CSO. He approved of all three signings. And I think because he didn't play a lot at the start, particularly Piero, a lot of fans forget in that initial press conference after he signed. I remember that was asked about, you know, should should fans, you know, kind of curb the enthusiasm, the excitement for Martin Piero and, and not put too much pressure on him? And I thought at that time, that would be the the, the perfect time for Warnock to say, yes, like, look, he is young, he is going to need a bit of time. Let's not, you know, get, put too much pressure on his shoulders. early. But quite the opposite, he talked with excitement about Piero and about how good he is and how good he will be for the club. Um, and, and, and so I think that said a lot at that time about, you know, just how you know excited even Neil it was about bringing him to the club.
1: Yeah, and we're seeing the benefit of it now. Um, we'll get into the questions in just a moment. Just a final uh, question from me to, to you, Craig, about the last two games. Have you sensed a change in mood around the place or what people you're speaking to? I know it's just two wins, and but football's a very fickle game, isn't it? Things can change within an instant. Is the mood, I mean, our conversation just now seems a lot more positive than it did the last time we had an episode. So I assume that's something you've maybe felt with who you're speaking to for stories and what have you.
0: Yeah, well, I think in terms of the fan base, definitely there's been a big switching move from the fan base. And I think that the big thing about this, this the past seven, uh, the past three games in those seven days was that finally Borough won consecutive games that never won back to back games until. The beat Barnsley after uh, following up from Peterborough, and of course in the championship, if you want a uh, you know a challenge at the at the right the top end of the table, you've got to be a team capable of putting runs together. Inconsistency is what makes you a mid-table side, and that's exactly what Borough had looked like for so much of the early part of the season. So I think in terms of the fan base, you know, the, there are still one or two who kind of you know haven't quite made the mind up about Neil Warnock yet, aren't completely convinced by him, and that's fine, you know. All opinions are valid in football but i think in general you know there's there's an appreciation of particularly with how many injuries they had to the way this squad has come together and and you know backs against the wall got them three wins in terms of you know people within the club not much has changed i would say you know it's definitely boosted the confidence of course it has but you know there was always this belief within the group there was always this spirit neil Warnock always felt like it would turn this way and, and you know the would eventually get a bit of luck and, and get things going you know above neil Warnock on the board you know the they, they were failing. the same steve gibson was you know quite encouraged by a lot of what he saw from burrow other than the results um and and, and he felt like you know the this could turn and, and and it could actually be quite an exciting season. As we see, there were three teams Borough should beat, but nevertheless, they did beat them. They kept three clean sheets. There were quite dominant performances, all three of them. Uh, so I think the manner of them is, is just as pleasing as the fact that they did it. Uh, and that's why, you know, we can be a little bit excited about it
1: definitely and then hopefully another three points this weekend it's burnham isn't it so another yeah. side down in the table they've only won one in five so you would expect with boa being um in good form boosted by the the previous couple of weekends that they'll um definitely get just lost you
0: there Buzz. we've uh we've lost you sound Buzz.
1: my back yes we've got yeah what was... you know what happened podcast I did as well for another uh football club mom um, it's these mics but i'm back now um well, i was
0: gonna to have to carry the podcast one man team uh, there
1: well, you always do, Craig. We'll just uh, let you put the call out for questions, and there were plenty of very good questions, and we'll get into them. Just first and foremost, though, if you guys are watching on Facebook, hit that share button and get the video into your news feed. And if you're listening later on the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe or follow, as Apple now say to do, and leave us a review if you can. And, of course, share it with your brother, support supporting friends and family so we can ride the roller coaster together. Now, we'll go into the questions. Um. A lot of people asking about players returning Craig and there's one here from uh, David Bentley who says he thinks they need to sharpen up on decision making um, could it be worth an extra place or, it could be worth it an extra place or two if they really click the team could batter most teams he thinks so he's quite positive that if things go right things will end well this season but do you think Neil Warnock needs to keep the same team whilst they're winning even if the injured players return?
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. And I think a lot of it, you know, uh, depends on on who the opposition are, because different opposition will have different vulnerabilities. And, and I know, you know, there's, there's always that sense of focus on yourself. And to an extent, yes. But, you know, I think you give yourself any advantage you can. And in doing that, you look at your opponents and you look rel- you look at where their weaknesses might lie. So, for example, um, you know, on Saturday, just gone at Cardiff. I think they'll want to put... Uh, Uchi Piazu back in the team because he knows that as a defensive unit, Cardiff are, you know, quite big and quite physical, but were quite vulnerable. And I think that worked absolutely brilliant because Ike just bullied their centre backs all game. And that gave, you know, the likes of Sporar and the likes of Piero that little bit of extra freedom, feeding off the work that Ike did up top. Uh, whereas in the Barnsley game, they're a side now who strangely i think want to play out from the back um which is weird to see of a barnsley team i think and clearly isn't working for them at the moment but that's what they like to do and so he went with watmore and Sporar up front uh because you know that more than they're going to kind of press high they're going to give a high energy in that final third when out of possession and that's going to unsettle barnsley's defenders um, and, and and as it showed, you know, forced them into making mistakes as they played out, and, and Berwick could stay on the ascendancy. So, yeah, I think things like that depend on the opposition. You've got to look. There's certain part of the team, and I know there are other questions that will probably come to that will will cater to this as well. But, you know, there's certain changes that have needed to have been made because of the injuries, which I quite like. Uh, Matt Crooks in the midfield, in the deep line midfield role, for example, rather than number 10. And O'Neill Warnock really likes him as a number 10, thinks he'll score goals as a number 10. But I actually think we have got better players for that number 10. <coughs> all they can go to up top as they have been, while Matt Crooks has been deep relying, And I think that suits them better. And and as I said, as I mentioned earlier with Crooks and Piero, I think Crooks, you know, this crux's style of play crux's agility and his his ability to kind of you know impose himself in that midfield a bit more than johnny house and makes him a better foil for martin piero he he partners he, he complements martin piero better and allows piero to be that that little bit more positive positive. Um, and so there's certain changes when injuries return that i wouldn't like to see made but equally you know again depending on the opponent i mean at the moment you think deal fry is such a good player. like I, I love deal fry since i've watched him uh since last start last season i think he's absolutely fantastic uh and obviously you know 36 year old Sol bamba is not going to be able to play every game for the rest of the season but at the moment him and bamba uh, him and McNair have been brilliant the last couple of games so, how do you bring Deal Fry back into that? Unless it's against, say, the West Brom game in a couple of weeks, who so, you know are going to be one of the, the, the bigger clubs. You might go to a back three and then you'd want to bring Deal Fry in. Or you might want to strengthen and steal up your midfield a bit. So, you'd put McNair back into the midfield and that opens up the door for Fry to come back in. Little things like that we've got to think about with individual games. But yeah, it, it's, it's understandable why you'd look at that and think, why change a winning team? Because uh, they are playing so well.
1: Mm. Well, a lot of questions have been on the defense and the return of injured players, but specifically the, uh, the defense Leanne Jackson and Peter rogers both asked you know about the shape of it once injured players return. I suppose that lends to what you were just said saying there about about Fry when Borough are performing so well they're keeping clean sheets. you know even if the better players are fit, do you break up a defense which is performing very well?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a difficult dilemma for one, but equally I'm sure one he'd rather have than, than the one he currently has because, you know, they are only one or two more injuries away from, you know, being in a crisis mode again. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so many kind of dilemmas that he could potentially be posed with when uh, when players start returning. Uh, I know we've got a question coming up on House and at right back and Steele, who, who's been so good under Neil Warner at left back. Uh, he took a bit of stick in the early parts of the season, but I've always maintained that he's good. He's limited. He doesn't attack, but I don't think Neil Warnock wants him to attack. I'm talking about Lee Peltier here. Sorry, um, you know, at left back. But we know how good and how reliable uh, Mark Baller's been at left back for for Neil Warnock. So you know, does he take Lee Peltier out or do, and bring Baller straight back in? Well, I, I actually think that would be harsh on, on Lee Peltier, with the excep- exception of his uh, yellow card record. I think he reads the game so well and he's so solid defensively.
1: In, in, in terms, terms, terms of the likes of, the likes of Fry, fry yeah. when are we expecting them back, do you think? Do you think, is it going to be soon or is it going to be a couple of weeks after the international break? What, what you Have you got any kind of insight for, for our viewers and listeners?
0: Well, I asked Warnock about it after the... Um after the Cardiff game, expected that the weak kind of gap between that and, and Birmingham, we might see a couple of them return. Uh, but he, he said um, Dy- still was there probably the closest, but he's actually not too optimistic that any of them will be back this side of the international break, which obviously means I think that's three more games, isn't it, uh, until the international break, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it is still a bit of a worry, as I say, because you are only you know, potentially one or two injuries away or Matt Crooks is on that dreaded fourth yellow card at the moment. So one yellow and he has to sit out again game with suspension. You know, you're only a couple of little things like that away from, you know, then going into what what are trickier games coming up uh, with, with, you know, even more depleted options than you're already dealing with.
1: Uh, Mike Brown asks If Jake Steele is fit, is Housen the best option to write back, especially as his return to midfield would only see Crooks and the Crooks and Pereira partnership split up? So we've kind of covered it briefly, but do you want to go into a bit more detail with your answer there, Greg?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I've, I'm somebody who's kind of defended Housen a lot as a midfielder, certainly last season. Um, you know, I was I was really, really kind of impressed by Johnny Housen as a midfielder. He's so comfortable on the ball and he reads the game well. That was last season when he played alongside someone like Sam Morsey, who had a bit of tenacity and a bit of bite about him, uh, which House and doesn't have. Uh, now the last few uh, Johnny Housen's played either right wing back or right back or right sided centre back. He's kind of variated between the the, the, the three positions as Borough of kind of switch formations in between games. But particularly at right back, uh, as Mike alludes to, I've been so impressed with Johnny Housen uh, because he has had struggles in central midfield this season. You know, I think we alluded to it earlier the fact that you know he's he's not as kind of agile and as mobile or as physically imposing as what Matt Crooks is. And, and therefore, when we've seen Housen partnered with Piero, he's he's looked a little overran in midfield. Uh, Burrow have looked very exposed, because when Piero does look to go forward and do, does look to be positive, Housen doesn't quite have that same imposing figure to, to protect the back four as a sole deep-lying deep midfielder. Uh, but as a right-back, I couldn't believe him. Um, I'm sure it was the Barnsley game. I don't think I'm mistaken to say it was the Barnsley game, where he was up and down that right wing uh, as an attacking fullback uh for, for the majority of the game. It's such a brilliant performance. I couldn't believe how good he was in that right back position. And certainly in that borough setup, um I think he's probably more suited to that. But you know, having said that, as we see it, Dykesdale is you know, such his injuries are a concern, but uh, he is such. He has such, been such a reliable player under Neil Warnock. So um, you know it's going to be a difficult one when he does return.
1: It certainly, as as you said, it's going to be such a good dilemma to have when you have all these fit players returning. You're saying, well, hopefully at that point, Borough will still be winning, moving up the table, and you are going, well, do I break up a winning side? So it's hopefully going to be a very good dilemma to have. Um, Dave McNally asks: Is the narrative of he's been forced to be more attacking? Uh, because of his lack of options, unfair on Warnock, the common-sense solution to injuries with youth players. But, you know, Warnock didn't do that. I think he also asked um, how much credit does Warnock deserve, and in particular, the tactical switch against Barnsley.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, what he's alluding to there in the Barnsley game, he did kind of, I think, like Peterborough, look to set up with a back uh, three, but Barnsley kind of surprised a little with their set-up and only had one striker. So he quickly changed to a back four and, and kind of, you know, revert like quickly changed the way Barrow were was set up. Uh, and it just allowed Barrow to be a bit more positive than, than three at the back would have. But yeah, in terms of the first part of that question, it's a really good point from Dave and something that, you know, I've highlighted myself and and, and it's not been an after time because I made this point in a piece I wrote during the international break when, um, when, you know, there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of, you know, bad feeling towards Warnock at that time. And, uh, you know, I had to don the tin hat to write it, but you know, I, I spoke about in in the piece I wrote then about kind of uh you know fallacies and, and and things that are being thrown about, which I just don't quite agree with. One of them was that you know Borough play horrible football, and and actually that just didn't marry with what I'd watched. I understand results have been frustrating, and therefore. You know, like, this isn't a beautiful Pep Guardiola-style football inside. Of course it isn't. Warnick will make no apologies for not wanting his team to kind of play the ball and mess about with it at the back. They do look to get the ball into the final third quickly. But Once they get it there, they have a lot of quality there, and they do like to play it about. They play with a decent intensity. They're not in about between them, and as as one of the questions earlier alluded to, sometimes they're just let down by their own decision making. Uh, Tav's particularly guilty of it recently, where you know he might oh, cool. you know take a shot on when there's a better pass available, or you know he might not he might take an extra touch when he could have played an earlier pass through. Um, but he's certainly not the only one who's guilty of that. There are others. And, of course, we have had issues with them not being clinical enough too, uh, missing chances that they should put away. And and I appreciate when you come away from a game like Blackpool, for example, where Vera did play some lovely stuff in that first half, but only went in 1-0 up and then lost the game 2-1 after a bad second half. No Borough fans come away from that game saying, I know we lost 2-1, but that first half was really good. You just don't do that after a two-one defeat of Blackpool, do you? So uh, you know, but in, in isolation, that's frustrating. But in the grandest game, when people were saying the football was awful, that just didn't marry with what I was watching overall. And it was, sorry. I was just,
1: I was, just, I was just going to say, it has so obviously they've won the last two games. So do, you, right. but the three, sorry, but has Warner just stuck to what he, what he's known, a little bit of changes here, but in general, the overarching approach to games and tactics hasn't really changed from what he was doing when they, when they weren't winning games
0: no, yeah, so that's that's a good question and, and, and it's something I alluded to after the Cardiff game because I think, you know, I think what DFC is is absolutely spot on in terms of you know the forcing more into a more attacking approach is kind of what a lot of people have said about the current injury crisis and in the last three wins. But actually, you know, if you look back and even the pre season, I keep talking about the pre season. I remember talking to him pre season down in Devon and he was speaking a lot then about wanting to experiment and see you know, how expansive his midfield could be and and how much they could cope with being left a little bit exposed. And I just remember the, the last pre-season friendly of the Devon tour, Matt Crooks had officially joined the club that day uh, and he went straight to the starting lineup. And, and Sam Marcy was the sole midfield, uh, big-buying midfielder that day. And in the early parts of that Plymouth game, uh, Matt Crooks had kind of looked to sit a little deeper and almost players two deep-lying midfielders and Warnock in the first five or ten minutes kept continuously shouting on to Crooks and telling him to push further forward because he did want to, you know, Plymouth at that point were the best uh, opposition Burrow had played in pre-season. He wanted to have a look at that. He wanted to see how Burrow would cope with just one deep-lying midfielder and the second midfielder pushing on. And, you know, I think rather than the last three games, seeing any change of kind of, you know, direction or a plan uh, or, you know, attack and intent, I think it's just started to click now. It's started to gel. We mentioned earlier, you know, when Piero and Helsing were partnered together, it just didn't quite work. Uh, there were too exposed and they were overrun in midfield. And, they, you know, I think a big part of, of, of winning games, you've got to win that midfield battle. Crooks has been doing that, whereas Helsing wasn't. And... Um, and so I think, as I say, it's just clicking now. It's gelling. And also, we can't ignore that. It was three, you know, poor teams that were beaten. Uh, we, we can't ignore that. But but equally, I don't think it's a change of kind of style or direction or tactics. I think it's just clicking and gelling more now.
1: Um, the 12th man on Twitter asks, Craig, who, in your opinion, are the best two to play up the top? And then he is right. He says a lot of people are asking about Sammy Amiobi and just what on earth is going on there.
0: Yeah, well, we start with Sammy because that was uh, a question that came in from a lot of people. And, and I, I was asked about it on Twitter yesterday as well. Uh only spotted it this morning, so I was off yesterday. So apologies, I didn't spot that. But uh, I guess answering it now, so it's all fine. Uh, yeah, so a couple of questions even asked, is it even real, uh, which which I did love about. But no, it's uh, it's it's a really unfortunate situation with Sammy Obi he, he came in this summer as a free signing from, from Nottingham Forest. And I think it was in the first week of pre-season training he he injured his knee and uh and of course he hasn't been seen since and it's a really strange situation because uh you know we've we've asked a lot about sammy amiobi and and never get got any clear answers on him um it's a difficult one because clearly there's a reason they don't want to tell us you know if they do know i mean the answer you get from the club is that at the moment they don't know and, and I appreciate there has been some comments from Borough fans along the lines of, you know, a, a club in this day and age with the you know medical facilities, et cetera, that they have. Surely they do know. And I think the last time Warnock kind of went into some kind of day deal with it, it was something to do with fluid around the knee. And they were therefore not quite able uh, to find out what exactly was the problem and um, what the problem was. And. Um, it's, it's a really strange one, though. I, I, honestly, I'm not certain whether there is more to that and we're just not being told or whether it is just genuine that they, they just can't find out what the problem is. But but clearly, there's a problem. Sami Amiobi, you know, there, there isn't a time frame on his return. The club put out a gallery today of five of the injured players uh, out training and, you know, getting closer to being back. Uh, and it noted in that gallery that, along with Darnell Fisher, who we know is out for the full season, Sammy Amiobi still doesn't have a time frame on his return. So that's still the case. And it's a tricky one because, you know, we we can continue asking the question, but it's clear that, you know, the answer from the club is that for whatever reason, there isn't an answer to give. And as I say, whether that's because there's something they can't tell us or they just don't know themselves, but, it's yeah.
1: a, such a shame because he's got such talents and i know we've not seen it because he has got a horrible injury record as well but at, um when he do when he is fit and he's on his day he's he would he would be a very very good championship player so such a yeah. sad that just did uh, seem to get the better of him
0: yeah and, that, and that's why Warnock brought him in i you know, remember when he first signed you know what speaking of Warnock at the time he he kind he kind of described Amiobi is that player who, when he played against Warnock, Warnock always hated him being on the ball because, you know, while he hasn't consistently done it throughout his career, and that's why he's never reached the top of the game, he is a player who, when on the ball, can produce moments of magic. Uh, And that's why, you know, Warnock said he always used to, you know, a huge sigh of relief whenever Sammy Amiobi passed the ball, uh, when he was playing against Warnock teams, because when he was on the ball, he can make things happen. He can do things, but yeah, it's a it's a really strange situation. The honest answer is, unfortunately, I I don't know, you know, what the situation is. Never got any clarity on it, and and it's quite clear that you know at the moment the club don't really want, um, you know, to to tell us if they do know or as I say it might be genuine that they don't know, but I I do kind of feel that there possibly is more to that going on, but clearly you know possibly something that we we can't ignore
1: and on his other question which was about who you who you think the best two are up top is there any is there a pair that stands out for you
0: yeah, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out a bit here and I kind of already alluded to it earlier and the fact that you know it, it depends on on the opposition. I think there's there's various ways Borough can go. I like both the Sporar Watmore partnership, Watmore partnership and the um Spora IP partnership, I think in in equal measures they complement each other when against the right opposition. I think you know we mentioned the West Brom game coming up. I'd be surprised if Borough went four four two in that one. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if, in some capacity, presuming they have the options to do it, Tav dropped in as a as the if you like the attacking midfielder, and they only went with one striker. Then, because Tav gives that little bit extra energy, and he's he almost becomes like a third central midfielder, which you might need in that game. Um, so they have various options, and like I say, I think you know I alluded to the fact that against Barnsley, they try and play out from the back. So Watmore and Sporo were the, the better two for that game because they'll press more and they'll put pressure on the ball on the defenders trying to play the ball out of defence. Whereas against Cardiff, you know, Ikpiazu was really physically demanding. He bullied the Cardiff centre half. That dragged them around and created space for other players. And Ikpiazu, of course, you know, played a big role in in, in certainly Piero's goal. Um and, and he was just brilliant in general on the day. Uh, so yeah, I think a bit of a cut out but I do like both of those partnerships and, and both have value depending on the opponent
1: if you're watching now live on Facebook why not put your uh, top two forward players into the comments and we'll discuss any that do indeed get in there um Ted asks Craig is there much to the link with Brazilian right back here to, uh, and also have you heard much from and Scott about how things uh, are changing, how he's going to change and what the plan is going forward? Yeah, well, we'll start
0: with um, the, the second part of that question first, Kieran Scott, because it, it's funny that that question came in today because, funnily enough, I had just gone to the club today and asked, uh, you know, if there was any chance now he's had a couple of months to settle, could we, uh, you know, could we possibly speak to him? And, and, and you know, part, the, 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 the comeback from the club was quite positive. Uh, it's not going to be quite yet that he's still... Or told in yeah, I was told like in a settling in period. I think at the moment you see him at almost every borough game. You see him uh, at a lot of the under twenty three games as well because, of course, you know, as head of football as he is, he's overseeing the academy as well. It's not just the first team. Um, so yeah, so he is. You know, it's 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 important to remember that he is still just two months into his time here at the club, uh, and and his appointment is a more longer term thinking role Uh, you know obviously he's now planning for kind of the future direction and and probably for life after Neil Warnock which they've brought him in now I've I've said this before it makes sense to bring him in now when they have brought him in because it allows him a full season to assess Middlesbrough assess you know the, the 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 club assess the direction that it needs to go, in and assess the squad, etc., etc., and 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 I think he's still in that stages of the of his job at the moment. He's uh, as I say, kind of assessing. Where the, where the land lies, is actually, essentially, and then he can start to put the plans in place for you know next season and beyond. Uh, but yeah, positive uh, you know, kind of sounds from the club when I asked that question that we will hopefully hear from Kieran Scott uh, sometime soon about how he's kind of settling in in the job. Second part, uh, f- sorry, first part of that question, uh, my mind's gone blank, you'll have to remind me again uh, what it was. <laughs> it was
1: about the link to here to the Brazilian yeah. right back
0: of course yes sorry so the, those uh those links come in um the other night uh from south america Um don't know the validity of it unfortunately and i think understandably so that um as was the case in the summer too until it's very far down the line which of course it can't be at the moment because we're not in a transfer window the club and anyone kind of connected to the club won't want to say too much on that because they'll want to keep that as under wraps as possible now it it came out in the south american press uh as did the piero links and the rodrigo muniz links uh in the in the summer too um and and as we know you know both of those links proved right proved reliable obviously they they managed to get piero they didn't Muniz. um so so i think you know, it, 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 there's probably validity in 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 the links in Borough's interest. One thing we we did see in the summer was while the initial links that were quite reliable in terms of identifying that Borough were interested in these players, the the kind of you know claims, um, you know the kind of details of the transfers, if you like, were very wide ranging. And uh, and 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 not often as accurate when you actually did speak to people at Borough, things like you know the price of transfers were not quite accurate, and uh, in in other parts there were kind of details of, of what was happening in the transfers, uh, and what was holding certain things up that weren't as accurate either. Um, but certainly in terms of identifying players that Borough were interested in, they were generally quite accurate over in South America and we do know that you know here we know burrow see a lot of value in the south african south american market right now and there's a lot of clubs over there kind of struggling financially and they do produce very good footballers over there of course the two argentina and brazil in particular you know two of the greatest footballing nations on the planet Uh, but as i say a lot of their clubs are struggling financially right now and as a as a result are open to selling players for for decent prices uh I mean you know those again we talked about the kind of figures that go around but to my understanding I think up front uh the way borough were negotiating these kind of transfers were kind of with add-ons and and bonuses uh in terms of payment but up front borough I believe paid about four million euros for Martin Piero this summer now tell me uh you know where on this planet you're going to find a player for i'm not quite sure on the exact currency thing but i think that's just over three million pound Um now where on earth are you going to find a player who has the quality that martin piero has for about three million pound you just not there's so much value in south america at the moment and not only that but the the new work permit laws after brexit uh make it kind of if you like I don't want to say easier because I don't really know how easy it was before, but certainly, you know, the, the archetypal of bringing these South American players in under the new work permit laws. So, so I think there's definitely, you know, whether there's something in it or not, I don't know. There's, there's talk about, you know, kind of um, international, uh, wanting in t- about 10 million euros for him. Uh, again, you know, Borough are not going to pay anywhere near that upfront. The, the, the figure quoted with Borough is 5 million euros, which would be more likely but you know, international have got to accept that themselves. Um again, as I say, you know, Borough structure of these deals in a in a way where they pay so much up front and then more after a certain amount of time or based on if they, they do certain things, qu- quiz eye agreements, if you like. Um so so yeah, there's this scope in that they could potentially set up a deal like that. And as I say, we we do know they're interested in the South American market through Leo, they have good contacts there, and uh and, and certainly I don't believe that you know with Muniz after Piero arrived, I don't believe that was the last player that you know they'll have on the radar. So certainly want to continue watching with that high to Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, exciting times. Um we've got one from Ian who asks about Jed spence obviously. He's on loan and forest, but with uh, which we're
0: just last month again, but I know what the question Look, is. I'm, a... I'm
1: here now, I'm, I'm back well, now. I'm back,
0: back now, yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, goodness me, technology is just a nightmare. So, yeah, Jed Spence on loan and forest. Question comes from me, and he's just saying, Is like the options have already got at Borah the factor link to another right back? Is that is that what did it for Jed Spence at Burra? I mean, does he, does he have a way back in, do you think, at the club? That's an interesting amongst, I think under Neil Warnock,
0: probably not. Is is the. Uh... Is, is the truthful answer. I think it's quite clear that, uh, you know, in the end, Neil Warner just decided he he wasn't reliable enough and he wasn't, uh, you know, didn't have the right attitude, if you like, as well. Um, and, you know, there was a question a couple of weeks ago when things weren't as rosy as they are now at Borough. Somebody asked him, you know, did, did he had the injury crisis? Do you regret letting Jed Spence go to Nottingham Forest? Uh, um, and, and, and his answer was, you know, just simply no. He just batted it away with a straight no nothing more than just no, uh, and then he was kind of asked the follow-up of, you know, did, you must be seeing how he's how well he's playing at Forest, etc., and, and Warnock just joked, uh, yeah, I'm really happy for him, and it'll mean that he, uh, you know, it, it increases his value for next summer, which again, I think was a telling answer. Now, of course, we don't know at this stage whether Neil Warnock will still be here next season or not. If Burrow get promoted, you know, I'm, I'm not ruling out that Neil Warnock stays for another season at all. Uh, he still absolutely loves this game. If the, He doesn't know what's around the corner in terms of health and et cetera, et cetera. But if Borough got promoted and, and the land was, was clear, if you like, he, he'd be staying for another season. Of course he would. Um, And, and in that circumstances, I see say, does Jed Spence have a Millsborough future? I don't think so. But if Warnock were to leave, Jed Spence is still a good young player. He's doing well at Forest. Could he come back and impress a new manager? Of course he could. But like you see, they, they could have a lot of right-backs. If, in we'll if If I Rodriguez did, did join the club, he'd be a really bright young right-back. And then Dykesdale's still, still a brilliant age too. So, you know, it's difficult to see much of a future for Jed Spencer.
1: We'll finish on the final question then from Alfie. Thwaites who says do you think the squad has what it takes to A maintain this run and be their position in the league which would of course mean if they did finish 6th they'd be in the playoffs come the end of the season um, yes yeah,
0: so, I mean quite simply the answer is yes I do believe they can uh, of course football is a game as we've said that you know could swing one way or the other, so quickly, as we've seen, with how quickly Borough's fortunes have changed for the better in, the, in in just three games in the space of just seven days. Um, and I do think that this season is still going to have many, you know, ups and downs. I do think there'll be times where, you know, they might lose a couple of games and drop down the league again. I think for now, the key is is staying as close to possible as they can. They did that in the first half of last season. You know, we went out to Birmingham just last game before Christmas. It was it 3-1 and a 4-1, I think it was, wasn't it? At St Andrews just before Christmas last year. And Borough was sixth on Christmas Day. And, and, and you thought, this is excellent. You know, we're, we're going to go into a January window now. We knew the club had quite big plans for January. Uh, and in January, you know, they signed some good players in the likes of Balassie and Cabano. Um, and, and, and you were thinking, you know, we'll kick on now and we're, we're well positioned by staying where we have, stayed so close to the top six well and, and and for whatever reason you know for, well, for various reasons which you know we discussed at the time it, it petered away and, and and just didn't go the way we expected in the second half of the season but i would expect that warnock knows a lot more about his team now and and would be a lot more confident now in in that not happening this season and showing more stale and more character to uh you know to be better in the second half of the season than the were last season and uh and so for me yeah the key is it's just keeping peace staying as close to that top six as possible um, and 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 who knows what happens in the second half of the season and you know the year of that part was to to continue the run i think the encouraging thing now is you know as we've seen as long as you keep peace three wins can put you right up there. Um, and, and the important thing is having looked so inconsistent with finally seeing a side who who are capable of putting three wins together, which, you know, for confidence, for for reassurance, that was, that, that was exactly what Burrow needed, albeit against three poor sides. So, you know, sterner come. I think Birmingham off the back of a victory over Swansea will be a, a better side than the last three. After that, Luton and, and, and West Brom. Um, you know far more difficult games but still winnable games maybe not the West Brom I think you'd take you'd be happy with the point in that one but certainly Luton is a winnable game even if they have had a good start of the season themselves so we'll we'll, we'll still learn a lot more in the in the next few weeks as well.
1: Important to have, have that have momentum going forward football. though isn't it I mean momentum's a key word for me in football and to yeah. be having positive results like they've had hopefully another win this this weekend coming um, we'll go into them tougher games with a bit of uh, bit of buoyancy, you know, a bit of hope in there. Uh, fingers yeah. crossed. It's, it. it's more of a tabletop clash than just a uh, West Brom facing Borough and Borough somewhere in, in the mid-table. But yeah, amazing to see that league table when I checked it out just before we came on air. to see Borough 6th and yeah. long may Chris. the form continue. You Chris. can head over to uh, Gazette uh, live to follow Craig, who will be no doubt speaking to Warnock later this week for his press conference, which is which day?
0: I would imagine Friday, nothing confirmed, but it tends to be Friday morning.
1: Yeah, right. So head over to the website. There's plenty of stuff on there at the moment, um, all the Middlesbrough FC news. And please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you're listening through. Once again, thank you very much for joining us.